0: So much can be said about Pastor Pat and will be said about Pastor Pat and her ministry. Um, What what, what a doozy of a text today. Uh, I promise you, I did not pick that text for this occasion. Um, But the, 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 the reality is, there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. As Pat leaves, we will be weeping and gnashing our teeth saying, Where is Pastor Pat? But you might have heard Matthew 25, the, the lesson that I read today from the gospel, or even Zephaniah, if you were paying attention during the first reading, and you might have been scratching your head a little bit saying, where does all of this come from? Such harsh words. It feels like such judgment from, from Jesus. Here's this parable about money a slave owner, which is hard enough for us to deal with in our modern world, that uh, out, totally rejects the concept of slavery. And yet this is this biblical illustration of this landowner and servant slaves. He entrusts them with wealth. And when he comes back, he expects a return on his investment. And at first glance, we think this is all about economics, right? Right? And this passage, I think it's important to note from the very beginning, has been used and abused by far too many Christian leaders to promote a prosperity gospel. That God just wants to multiply the wealthy and God's going to give you more and take away from others. That is not what I believe Jesus is trying to illustrate here. Jesus used parables often throughout his ministry, and at first glance, the parable could be about any um, ordinary act in society, farming, agriculture, scattering seed, um, returning an investment on property, digging a wine press, right? But we know the parables and the meaning of the parables actually had nothing to do with the objects at hand. Jesus simply used ordinary everyday things to help illustrate a kingdom Concept for the people, and in matthew 's Gospel, Jesus shares twenty three parables it 's his favorite method of teaching, and this is why I think one of the reasons, let alone he 's Lord and Savior, we keep talking about Jesus. We keep telling these parables because it 's not just a, a simple cut and uh, cut and dry black and white clear um, teaching. Uh, we can mine these parables for meaning again and again and again. And in Matthew chapter 25, we have two parables, and they're the final two parables in his ministry. Last week, we heard the first. This week, we heard the second. Now, these two final parables for Jesus are the two final teachings he will give his disciples before he's arrested, before he's handed over, he's brought to a phony trial, he's convicted, and he's nailed to a tree. Another way to think about it, these are the final two lessons, insights, moments of teaching that Jesus has with his disciples before he has to say goodbye. Christ knows what's coming that soon the life of his disciples that have left everything for three years to follow him, that have journeyed with him, that have believed in him even when others started to scatter and, and, and turn against him, for these disciples who were right there with him, the whole way, everything is about to change. Their world's gonna be turned upside down because their leader, the one they trust, the one that has given them hope, well, he will not look very hopeful. It won't seem as if he has a plan. In fact, it will appear as if this one in whom they've put all of their trust, no hope can be found. He will be forsaken. He will be lost. And Jesus knows the disciples are soon to scatter. How do you say goodbye? How do we say goodbye? I have vivid memories growing up as a child driving to Minnesota to see my mom's side of the family every year, and and I think it's not um, germane just to Minnesota, but my mom would always call it the Minnesota goodbye. It took like two hours. We'd always, the final morning there, we'd drive to some diner, Denny's or something, and we'd have breakfast with all the aunts and all the uncles and all the cousins, and the meal would be over. And the the kids, we'd all say goodbye to our cousins, all 30,000 of them. And then we'd get get in the family car, and we'd be like, all right, it's time to leave. And then our parents would be in that Denny's parking lot for like 45 minutes saying their Minnesota goodbye. (sighs) They just couldn't do it goodbye, goodbye, I'll see you later. Do you know what I'm talking about? Jesus is trying to say goodbye. That's the context through which I want you to hear these two parables. At first glance, it's all judgment. At second glance, Jesus is trying to illustrate a profound kingdom concept. Last week's parable was the parable of the ten bridesmaids. Do you remember? The ten bridesmaids have a role to play in the parable. They are to bring what? Oil, a lamp and an oil, an oil. Five of them are prepared. They bring their lamp and they bring a jug of oil for the lamp. Five of them just bring the lamp. The bridegroom's delayed. Jesus is trying to illustrate, hey, I'm the bridegroom and I will be gone. And I will come back. You don't know when I will come back, but I will so, bring what you have. Bring the oil of your life. God will ignite it to create light in the world. I believe the main point of that complicated parable is this this kingdom work Jesus leaves the disciples with, the kingdom work God gives us to do. It necessitates that we, ordinary, everyday people, bring what we have, the resources of our lives, our talents our abilities, that we bring that fully to the table, not leaving any resources at home, because today is not a dress rehearsal, as Pastor Alex said last week. Today, God wants us to do the work of ministry, so bring the figurative jugs of oil that you have to this work, because we wait not just waiting around for Christ to come and fix this broken world, we wait actively, creating light in the world, waiting for the true light to come, right? This parable falls right on the heels of that parable, and I love this subtle shift with what Jesus is trying to hit home for the disciples. He uses the imagery of a landowner and servants, and what I love about this Is that these servants are not asked to bring any of their own resources to the table? Instead, the landowner gives them an extraordinary amount of resources to steward, to use for the kingdom. Do you know how much wealth one talent represents? Five talents to the one, two talents to the other, and one talent to the one. We think this is small change, right? It's far from that. One talent represents 20 years' wages. Look at what Jesus is illustrating. God is going to give us, give the disciples... More resources than we know what to do with, so that we can invest God's resources into the world to help the kingdom create light. A hundred years worth of resources. 40 years worth of resources, 20 years worth of resources. Look at what Jesus is trying to teach the disciples. Before I go away, and you are, you feel as if you're all alone. I want you to show up like the bridesmaids with the oil that God has given you. Show up with what you have and engage in this work of creating light in the world. And as I go away and you wonder when I'm coming back, when there will be fullness, when there will be hope, know this God, like a landowner, is going to give you more than you can imagine to work with. And what does God grieve in the parable more than anything else? God grieves in these two parables when people don't bring what they already have to the table. And God grieves when they don't use what God gives them in the world. You see, this is all blessing. Jesus wants his disciples in his absence To continue the work he began of creating light, of creating hope, of creating joy, of creating peace in the world. And of course, God is grieved when we take those resources and we just dump our oil in the ground, or or even worse, we dig a hole and we bury all of the riches of God's blessing. We just bury it and we don't use it because we're too afraid. You see, Jesus wants his disciples to do far greater things than even he did. In fact, he tells them they will. Pastor Pat, we can say on this weekend, after 34 years of your ministry, that you have continually, year over year, day over day, week over week, you have brought your oil to work. We can clearly look out over these years of your ministry and see that you have taken those resources that God has given you, the gifts of grace, of compassion, of love, of joy, and you have invested them. I want you to just turn your head and look back here at this congregation for a moment. I want you to... I want, why don't you stand up, actually? Why don't, you, why don't you stand up? Why don't you stand up? I know. Let's get a tissue. One, yeah, just hold the box. Did you pick up the small part of Matthew 25? To the servant that took the five talents and the one that took the two... When they brought back even more abundance. Now again, remember, this isn't about money. This is not a capitalistic thing about money. This is about the work of the kingdom. Using the free grace, the free love, the free gifts, and then multiplying that in the world. When they bring that back, do you remember what the God figure in the parable says to those servants? Well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter the joy of your master. Pat, if we have one prayer for you, it's that you would know this weekend that you have done a remarkable job. And these people and their stories, they are the fruit of your work. The way that you've sown love and hope, and comfort into these people's lives in the midst of their darkest days when their spouse died, when they were diagnosed with a terminal illness, when you held their children and grandchildren in your arms and you washed them with the waters of baptism. You have been God's light and salt in the world. And so what we want for you and for Steve more than anything else in this next season of your life is for you to enter into the joy of your God. We are going to miss you. We are going to feel the absence of your presence, but Good Shepherd Lutheran Church, we're not going to wallow in our grief. We're not going to say, oh, what do we do? Because we know what we're called to do. We are called to do what Pat has taught us to do to walk alongside, to bring our oil, to share God's blessing, so that all the world might know that the God you worship, the Lord you've served, is magnified in this world. So Pastor Pat Badke, on behalf of a grateful congregation, thank you, and well done, good and faithful servant. Well done.